You're listening to the Yeshiva of Newark at IDT podcast. I'm your host and curator, Rabbi Aprom Kipolevich, and I hope you enjoy this episode. If it's the fifth above the old site of the Arizal himself, this must be a special midweek session. I am Avalm Kivilevich, and Rabbi Yosef Gavriel Bechoffer is packing his bags, um, getting him a little midnight snack here before he packs his bags. Right, Rabbi Yosef, you're on your way to Eretz Yisrael. Um, and um, yeah, and who knows? Oh, yeah. And uh, I know that it's always a great chance for you to, I know you're doing going for a family reason, but I know it's going to be a great chance for you to recharge your batteries and to, and to clash swords a little bit with some of the, the Chachomim of Eretz Yisrael and to speak and learning and I, I get a, a great geschmack from the Avir of Eretz Yisrael. Um, is there any chance that you're going to stay? Because, you know, no. What do you think? Is there any chance that that, that... I mean, it offers me a great job. Yeah, yeah. Well, uh, not holding my breath. Yeah, well, it's you know, I, I guess the point is a job that pays more than what you're doing now. No, you'd go for less. Yeah, go for less. Yeah, yeah. Well, I, I've told you, you know, I I love what you're doing and the the lessons that you've taken from the job, the main job you have now, but you know. Um, I, I think that I think if, I think if you looked around long enough, I think you could probably uh, scrape something up. I'm sure there's a yeshivas where um, your voice and mind can be put to very good use. I would say so. Okay. I mean, yeah, yeah. You sound very excited about it. One of the yeshivas I visited today, city yeshiva today, they said, "You have the best job in the world." I said yes. What to be an arts uh, investigator? Yeah. Yes. All right. I agree. It is a good job. <laughs> yeah. It's a lot of fun. It really is a lot of fun. Um, Rabbi Yasef, so midweek, it's hard, you know, to build up a, a head of steam. Um, and of course, we're approaching Tisha B'Av and 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 Hurbin is on our mind. Um, I'll tell you what's on my mind. And um, I know it's something that you don't have a great feeling for, but I want to put it on the table here for, for both of us. Um, 2020. Um, 2021. Wait, 2020 was supposed to be the year of the Olympics in Japan. I think it was, maybe it was Tokyo, maybe the whole country was going to be involved in it. And um, because of COVID, uh, that event, which is considered the great worldwide coming together of so many countries in peace, not in war, but actually in competition in ways that the uh, members of each country can can mingle and get to know each other, uh, can get to see the greatness that each country represents. And that was pushed off because how could you have the event? How could people wouldn't been able to attend? Uh, the athletes would infect each other. So they decided that the the pandemic had to recede and they would push it off till 2021. But it's really the 2020 Olympics, in case you don't know. And, you know, I was thinking about this. Yeah, I didn't um, know that. I'm sure you did. And, and the truth is, you know, that I have a very soft spot for sports and I've talked about it here in the past. It is true after a pandemic and after dealing with people's deaths and 
in, in such a horrible fashion. It's hard to get excited about sports or care about it. But I couldn't help think about another Olympics that occurred, and that was the 1972 Olympics. Uh, you've talked about where you were in 1972. Was that the year that you were um, about to go to Eretz or were you still in America then? Yes, we're still here in America. Uh-huh. So you weren't in Eretz Israel then. Yeah. But I, I will say like this, that 1972 was such a important year from for me because um, although in 1968, I was very aware politically of what was going on um, uh, about Nixon becoming you know, Nixon and, and, and Humphrey and the assassinations, 1972, um, with the uh, the massacre, as it was called, of the Israeli athletes in Munich, touched me in such an incredible way. Um, it, it, again, at that time, I don't know if you realize this, but today, in order to watch the Olympics, you have to have a special cable subscription. Uh, it's not on free television. Um, in, the, in those days, there was no cable. And the NBC, or I think it was ABC, I think it had the uh, uh, the rights to it, would basically um, show you these Olympic events all summer. It was all, and I think it was even during September, I think that, that this was happening in Munich. And um, we were very caught up in, in, in the sports. There was actually a Jewish swimmer. You might've heard of him, Mark Spitz. Have you heard of him? Yeah. And we knew he was Jewish and he was winning all, uh, he was winning all the medals. And then the uh, events occurred where the sports casting became news. And we were hearing the most incredible stories about uh, a kidnapping, uh, uh, hostages being taken, and it was Israeli hostages, the small team that was sent from Israel. And as you know, there was very tense, the negotiations, that maybe they would be free, maybe not, and there was going to be... Um, um, uh, what the, the, the Palestinian or the, was the PLO, I'm not sure it was Black September, that was that they were making demands. And once again, this, the, the whole world was really taken by, uh, you know, by these, by these events. Um, and as those of you who aren't familiar with the story realize that, I'll tell you that, uh, that despite that there was hope that the hijackers, or actually not the hijackers, that the, that the Mahablim, uh, the terrorists, uh, would release the prisoners. There was a raid at the airport and um, they turned their guns upon. First of all, they killed a number of Israelis beforehand, but then they slaughtered all the Israeli athletes before they themselves were gunned down. And um, this affected me in such a deep way when I was growing up. Um, I was 12 years old and there were sports turned to reality, to tragedy. And even the idea that the Olympic Games continued. I remember, um, you've heard of Howard Cosell, haven't you? Sure. Okay, remember, Howard Cosell, right? This is Howard Cosell, and he was, he was a, um, a, a literary uh, voice. <laughs> Howard Cosell would describe uh, a boxing match. He would describe a, a football game. He would use literary illusions. And of course, his name was Cohen. He was a he was a Yeats. And Howard and felt. I remember Howard got up there and said, "How this the games have to stop? How can we continue with the games? We've had thirteen, or I don't know how many were slaughtered there. Eleven. Eleven. Yeah." That we had the eleven uh, nirtzachim 
how could we go on with the games? With the games are going to go on. This seems to be terrible. We have to bury the people. We have to we have to deal with them being sent back to Israel in body bags. How how could the games continue? Um, and and I was thinking about this, thinking about this 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 <laughs> the the interplay between the pride of the game and and, and the death, and and maybe. There's something here to think about as, as the Olympics arrive um, about the, those near Tzolchim and to maybe think about why we're so caught up in, in spectator sport. And is the Olympics, the, is it Maise Misyavnim? Is it basically just Yovon and Geferlach? Is there anything wichtig about this comp- competitive spirit that people should come together? So what do you say, Rabbi Yosef? I've given you a big intro. I understand it gives people uh, pride, national pride, for no good reason. I understand people feel uh, elation and thrill uh, when certain people win, despair and defeat when other people lose, and uh, people's emotions need a good air workout. And there's no worse than going to an exciting movie and having the roller coasters of emotions which you undergo then, which people find to be a rewarding, fulfilling experience. But there's no intrinsic value to the Olympics, just like there's no intrinsic value to any sport. Uh, and do you believe it's a positive thing? For example, let's let's ask this: If you were you're going to Israel now, let's say you would become a minister in uh, Naftali Bennett's cabinet, and the question was point given to you from as the um, uh, Sarah Hutz. Should we invest funds in having an Israeli Olympic team and sending our Israeli uh, athletes there to compete against the world? Yeah, what would course. you say? Of course. Yeah. You, wouldn't, you wouldn't say it's just Narishkeit and then why should we do it? It is Narishkeit, but so what? The Narishkeit is also something valuable. There are many people who are sure who are Narishkeit in this world. And, and therefore, um, we should... We should encourage it. We should encourage it. Yeah, and... we have to deal with you. Know, you have to deal with it. But it's like Amir, you said about Chazal, about shading, you know? Chazal didn't believe in shading, but they had to go along with the masses, right? So, you know, we have no sport. We know sports is heavily volume, but we have to go along with the masses. Now, do you, do you believe that, so in other words, otherwise Israel becomes like a pariah that doesn't want to send anybody? Well, the people in Israel, they expect to have a team. They can root for the Olympics, uh, you know? They're not much. We know there's not much. I think they sometimes win in one of the most obscure sports. I forgot what it was, but there's something. Maybe it's 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 some sort of. It's not curling, which I think is a winter sport. I think I think there's some sport that I think Israelis do. Well, see, okay. the, the Israeli baseball team is doing pretty well. All right, what happened over there? I think these they they they, they wouldn't let them in. Right, the fire department of New York. Oh, they were. They did. The Israelis did come in. The team came in. Yeah, so so I all think those a lot of former major leaders on it, you know, has been who 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 became uh, Israeli citizens. Yeah, yeah, I assume so. Okay, so in other words, basically, what you're saying is you 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 think sports is us and complete us, but the Welt thinks it's us, and we're not going to be able to change the Welt, right? Right. Right. So the it's 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 a Nader Shazach, and it basically so you wouldn't. Okay, so that's if you were in Israel now. Would you try as a teacher, and you, I know you've had in the past, would you try to uproot from your students uh, sports uh, interest and sports mania? Would you try to uproot that or would you try to use it? I try to, I try to, uh, from time to time, to 
I never try to uproot it, but I make known my views that uh, being a, a fan of sports is ridiculous. If you want to watch a hockey game because it's a thing of art, a work of art, or because you love brawling, I understand that. But if you want to watch a hockey game because you root for this team, that's that's uh, obviously that's what little kids do. That's absurd. Right, and and even though, as you said before, it is a way to get. Have we matched those program when I stopped being a hockey fan? My wheels all fouls. All right. Why don't you talk? Why don't you talk about that moment where you you stopped? I was surprised you were a hockey fan at one time. My father was. My father only followed one sport. He was a very avid hockey fan. He didn't follow any other sport. So I grew up with hockey. Right. So. Um, so were you a, a an Islander fan? Rangers. The Islanders came much later. Uh, so the New York Rangers. Okay. Yeah. So in the mid eighties, mid seventies. I'm sorry. The uh, Rangers and Bruins had this epic trade where I think uh, Wayne Cashman and Phil Esposito came to the um, Rangers and Jean, Jean Rattel and Brad Park, I think, went to the Bruins. And I, 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 at that point, the whole thing stopped making sense to me because these people yesterday were our, the enemies. And now there are, uh, we're supposed to root for them. And vice versa, the people who, yes, they were rooting for, now they're our enemies. So the whole thing is that I realized at that point, it's all fake. There's no, there's no point in rooting for a team. And, and that so, was it. So how artificial it is to represent the city when it's not even the city, it's a, a number of fat cats who own the who own the franchise. And the whole idea is to create a fictional, uh, a fictional attachment based on the fact that they carry your name that they're right. called the new york rangers um well you know I, I you're correct that when trades occur it's somewhat shattering but you know that many of these athletes who, who are incredibly paid many of them do great things for their community right there are many who 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 do some of them say i don't want to be a role model but there are many who actually do devote themselves in ways and, and, and can use their notoriety. You always, you always have a cheshish that in the back, of, the back of your mind, you know, maybe it's because their publicist told them this is the right thing to do. Afopike, I mean, they, you, you, they still are being poyo tov. Anyway, they, but be that to me, you know, if you want to root for a specific athlete, if you will decide that, you know, um, uh, whoever um, is got, uh, at the time, I think, uh, the Montreal Canadiens goalie Ken Dryden, he was he was a Malumad. Uh-huh. Yeah, yeah, he was went to law school, whatever. He, uh, I figured, yeah, well, this is something. Is unlike the average hockey player who can't put, put a word together, so he was able to. He had some sort of token to him. So um, you know, okay, if you want to root for individual players, it makes sense. But to root for a team, yeah, okay. Um, I hear what you're saying, but you know that's not going to happen. You know that um, um, because, as you say, the player is pretty much what the publicist develops. Don't you think there's some difference, though, between you know, rooting for the team that represents a city and a team that represents a country? Are you going to tell me that you have no feeling at all watching you know, the United States win, let's say, in the in the um, four by four, 100 meters and watching uh, those men ascend the the, uh, the the winners stand and hearing the the um, Star Spangled Banner I do play. It because I fell for the propaganda. It doesn't you, you have no stirring whatsoever when that occurs. 
you don't care at all about the United States. You, it's just Narishkeit, complete, total Narishkeit. Yeah. Right. Uh, you, you don't think that there's a, a, a it, it works um, as a way to bond people together in terms of giving them a common, uh, something common that's not destructive to be happy about? I, I, it's, I, I love it's not destructive. Look what happened to the U.S. gymnast team, you know, that uh, all these years they're abusing these young girls. Okay, so now you're talking about the stru the structure of having these yeah. official teams breeds the can breed the worst things, but yeah. that doesn't mean that doesn't mean that the gym that it's endemic. You think it's endemic in all sports that there's going to be this type of abuse and things like that? I suspect so. I'm not, not that extent, obviously, but I suspect so. Okay, so you know maybe maybe the the microscope needs to be looked at for each sport differently. Um, it could be again, you know, the, we. You, I, I haven't seen the uh, the statistics, but I believe that women's gymnastics is one of the most popular sports in terms of what the Nielsen ratings show and everything like that. And I, and I would suspect that that even though there is incredible acrobatic strength and a power that is shown and a skill that is unmatched. I would say part of it is a little bit perverse, I would say. I think part of the reason that people are, 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 are connected to it is they're watching mostly young girls, right? And I think there's something to that. I don't know if the same thing is true um, on every sport. So, uh, you know, I, I think that when you have a sport that's populated- Figure What? Figure skating? Oh, that's okay. That's an Olympic sport. That's a, a winter sport. But I think that's probably. What do you think? Do you think that's also built on Taiva, a little bit? It, certainly. What? Certainly, it's quite possible. Yeah, right. I don't know if you could say the same thing about swimming though, because most of it is underwater. Although you see them when they right, right. I, I'm not sure. Possibly, can you say that about swimming too? Do you think that's all about it? I really don't know. Is it? I'm saying. Do you think it's really just bringing out like 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 the Greeks knock at the you know bodies just like like you know like celebration of 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 the goof? Do you think that's what it is? Do I think it's that's all it is? No, that's a large part of it. Uh huh. And therefore, the pride that they have and the glory of the, what the body can do, you think is a hedonistic. Um, I understand. A, Don't you agree? What's your different opinion? I'm asking you right now. I'm in the, I'm, I'm, yes, a, there's no intrinsic value in it. Person, person, want, again, if you want to watch somebody uh, in a sport where you find, like um, Mayor Schiller wrote years ago in the, the Torah Modern Journal article, which I took issue with, if you are actually think that you he, see uh, God, and he throws the ball in the crack of Sam Musial's bat. I think it's a direct quote. It was Ted, Ted Williams' bat. And, or if you uh, think that in the pole vault, you see Marabu Masecha Hashem, then okay, that's great. Okay. Watch Lashem Shemayim. You're a minority, a very small minority. I don't believe most people watch for that purpose. I think for most people, though, whether even if it's horse racing, most people get this vicarious thrill of potential and capacity. So I'm going to push I'm going to pull back, push back here for a minute. Um, and, and, you know, look, uh, we've talked about watching television programs. We've talked about other sorts of amusements and, 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 and the serum that are involved without getting into the proskite shabob. I would say that for many people, this is a, a way to channel uh, 
um, feelings in, in a way that's non-destructive, and I think can, that can lead to uh, an alignment with the country. And we need to do things to align ourselves with the country more. Uh, I, it's jingoism to keep on screaming USA, USA. I agree. Um, still, it, I, I'm not sure if it, I don't think it's harmful. And I think it actually serves something positive. Uh, I, I think that the, um, the, the fact that you can have a person like yourself could go into a bar in Long Island or, or, or back in Queens and talk about the players you just said, the trade, and you could break the ice, <laughs> no pun intended, with some fellow who has spent the last 30, 40 years, who knows what he's doing, and you're spending time with Ritzodik and finishing your Shalmi, et cetera, and you're able in this sports conversation to connect and connect in a way that nobody is at each other's throat, really. Isn't that a wonderful thing that it could actually bond you and allow you to share a commonality with somebody else on the street? It gives you a conversation that is not harmful. No one's going to call you a xenophobe. You can say that Rizzuto was this. I can say Bobby Orr was the best. You can say Bobby Hull was the best. You could say Gretzky was the best. You can say it was Gordie Howe. And we could talk about it. And I, I think it's it's not talking about the Paiskim, it's not talking about G'dayla Yisrael, but I, I think having it has a very positive uh, effect on, on society. Yes, boy, I think the Karl Marx would say today, sports is the opiate of the masses. It's not an opiate. It's yeah, not, yeah, it's, yeah, not it's not, it's not. As long as people have sports, they don't need anything else. It's, it's something which allows them to forget about the uh, injustices and difficulties of daily life you know, once I, as as they say, once once upon a time there was this concept of the Sunday afternoon blues, the time when there were no more sports games on on television, people were left in existential despair. What what are they really about? And then they invented ESPN, and everybody could live ever happily ever after with ever out ever ever having to think about anything. And that's what sports does. It allows us to avoid allows society to avoid penetrating thought. And any meaningful uh, pursuit. Oh, okay, so so um, if you assume, again, obviously you're overstating things. If you assume, how much am I overstating it? Uh, quite a bit. If you assume, really? yes. If you assume, like, for example, if you assume that sports is is actually spontaneous and all possibilities could happen, that it isn't all arranged by some mafia people, then what you're watching is really possibilities. And, and, and you never know what's going to happen. It's something that there is an excitement in the moment. And you're right, maybe who cares? You could watch two ants fight on the ground as well. But I think it's, it's different than just watching a, a program that somebody has, or a television show or a movie, that somebody has, has, has inserted their ugly ideals in and, and, and using camera and film work to to propagandize and brainwash you in some ways. I think when you're watching a sports event and there really is, who knows who's going to win, there is a sense of the, the immediate and the real. And I think that's different than being manipulated. No? 
Uh, I'm not sure what, what's real in this whole thing here. I mean, because the Olympics, they're amateurs, they're real? No, because you're not sure who's going to win. It's possible that Croatia might win. It's possible Serbia might win in the basketball. You're never, you're not sure. And when you watch the game, you actually, there, there's this element of, of, of possibilities. And you're in a real moment. When something is a creative look, the, this podcast, we don't know where we're going on it, right? So somebody is, somebody is listening to this. I don't know where these guys are going with it, but I'm going to hang on because I'm not sure, but it's, it, it might be going to a good place. I think in the same way, when people are watching something, especially if it's live, there is an excitement that, that bonds them about, about potential possibilities. Now, you're right, you know, and you know that people are, are, have invested in it. And therefore, you yourself can get excited over it. I don't think it's just an opiate. I don't think it's just like an opiate surge. I think sort of the same thing that, look, we know that Jews have been um, uh, infected like many other uh, people by the gambling bug. Their chuvas and poiskim all over about the, the terrible uh, gambling addiction that occurred in the 16th and 17th century. Right. You know all about that. We've talked about that in, in other discussions in the past. Uh, the reason why, of course, gambling, you're actually gambling with your money. But part of the reason why gambling is so um, uh, it's so addictive is because you're addicted to how is it going to land? Maybe it's going to land differently this time. Maybe the maybe the player will catch the ball in the end zone with a minute left. Maybe something will happen. And, and, and I don't know if it's unhealthy to to experience that and feel that within bounds i'm not saying you should become a sports junkie where you can't do anything else except glue yourself to the to the television and watch it but i think that the involvement and caring about it i think is i, I think it, it, it touches elements in a person's mind which i think need to be stimulated and i think that the the positive look we all know the crime you say it's the opiate but the crime rate goes down significantly when big games are on in big cities, right? Um, and I think that, it, isn't that a benefit to society? Now it's going to tell you else, that watching sports reduces the crime rates. Right, and, 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 and I believe it also creates uh, uh, not a, a sense of camaraderie and connection that I think it's very difficult for anything else to fill that vacuum. Is there anything else that you could that you could talk to some guy on the street? Uh, it, it, sports opens up all doors, and I think it's that's a very positive positive thing, especially in this woke culture today that you swim in uh, more freely than I do. It's great to be able to say, "Yeah, was was who do you think was the best hitter of all time? Was it DiMaggio or was it Ted Williams?" And I think that's the, that's 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 a discussion you can have anywhere. Now you're right. The, who cares? Is, is the is the world missing something because baseball was here or baseball wasn't? But now that baseball is here, I, I think it's 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 a medium that I think can be used in a good way. Now again, I'm not talking about turning into Rabbi Zara, but I think people like you who just call it Narishkeit, Narishkeit, and 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 it's so ridiculous, and I can't believe you're even into it. I think you end up underscoring, uh, understating how important it is. And I think you end up alienating most of the American Hevra who are not just, I was a hockey fan for four or five years. They are still uh, sports fans. And why not ex appreciate I have Rachmanus on them. I have Rachmanus on them. Yeah, okay. You know what? That's a condescending attitude that they can pick up on. And, and Literally meant to be condescending. 
What? It was literally condescending. <laughs> you know, again, we talk about our, our successes. That's what you're saying, by the way. You're just trying to hide it behind some fancy phrasing. But you're saying never, there's nothing else to connect Americans except for the fact that they have sports teams because politics won't connect them. And they're, they're not thinking about any profound thoughts. So what else are they going to connect? Sports, that's all there is. So, no, that's not what I'm saying. I'm saying it's... it's exactly what you're saying. And I, you haven't come up with some profound, lofty, divine uh, f- phenomenon or uh, uh, aspect of sports, which makes it a form of upliftment of his salus, of vacus is something higher. I, what it does is it creates, it bonds, it creates a connection. And I think as far as the Olympics goes, it creates a sense of patriotism that we need. So I don't know if that's high, pollutant, or profound, but I think it's important. Okay. I'm not going to call it profound, but I'm going to say that it's important. And I think we who are teachers and who are supposed to connect to people need to understand what it's about. And just because we don't like it doesn't mean that we should dismiss the fact of what it is. To If an American wins the Olympics over a Russian, does that prove that democracy is superior to communism? And what happens when the Russians win against the Americans? Prove communism is superior to democracy? No, it does not prove that. But well, how is our, our way of life is not manifest in our Olympic uh, representatives? Okay, here you're again sort of right, but mostly wrong. Um, we know that the Russians for years poured so much money <laughs> into their Olympics that, uh, unlike Americans, that it was basically uh, a volunteer ism and they were trying to inspire people in Russia, if they zeroed in on someone who had the right muscles or the right potential to jump, they didn't have much of a choice. They were taken away from their parents and they were turned into these machines of sport. And and because they wanted to be able to crow at the Olympics, look how our superior Russian way of life is. Look at the way we can beat you in everything. And we are much better than Americans in everything. So I do believe that the American true amateurism uh, triumphing over the Russians, that's why, you know, I can't believe you're a hockey fan. You don't, you're not inspired by the miracle on ice. What, what, what the, the, the winning of the, uh, that didn't mean anything well, to you? I'm inspired by the movie. It's a beautiful movie. I suspect that it's not true to life. <laughs> okay, but the movie brings out the. I mean, it makes the Russians look particularly bad, you know, like they're all KGB agents, <laughs> and Americans all look like Malachim. But that was that was something. The fact was that they it wasn't the dream team. I mean, I was very upset about the dream team. You know what the dream team is, yeah, right? Okay, you mamish know more about sports than I thought. I thought you were a grub amorot in this. But you know, the dream team is when they decided to send the best basketball players in the world so nobody could beat them. You know, when they had Jordan and, and Charles Barkley and these other clever. So that, but but the but the but the hockey team winning when nobody expected it. That's a that was a great uplifting story. Now let, let me just say before we get to this, the, the the Torah part of today, I I want to tell you that in this Olympic construction. There also exists a subcategory, which is the Paralympics, which are held right before the the actual Olympics, a couple of weeks before. Now, you have to admit that when you see the stories of amputees, blind people, uh, people who have other sorts of 
of, of, of handicaps, as they are called, competing, pushing themselves. Every single one of those stories is, is, is much better than your intellectual goalie for the Canadiens, right? Isn't that something to, to and again, obviously people with, with, um, uh, with these type of uh, issues in their lives struggle all the time. But when in sports you can see overcoming obstacles, pushing themselves, and you see the positiveness and the strength that these people radiate, isn't that an incredible thing? The Paralympics should be should, should be celebrated, and maybe uh, you should tell the issue. It would be a mitzvah for people to watch instead of marginalizing people that have uh, that are paralyzed and have other issues. This shows you the the great potential what human beings can do if they put their mind to it. I agree. Okay, so it's the Paralympics, yes, but the regular Olympics, no. Paralympics. I mean, the question is how much need the regular Olympics to justify the Paralympics? It's possible that. You can come up with it, side that, that the Olympics are worthwhile because they make a, a Paralympics uh, possible. That's possible. I no, that. That, no, but you're and missing the whole, opinion, the whole opinion of the Olympics is just they attempted that Paralympics. <laughs> yeah, okay, but that's like the Rambam says about the palace where the Tzaddik sits in the, the in the shadow of the palace. So in Okanami, the whole palace is really meaningless in itself, but one Tzaddik was once walking along the road. He has to see the shadow of the palace, but that whole existence of the palace was worthwhile. The Rambam and the the Parish of Mishnayas. Yeah, but I, I, what I would say is that that is an empty sort of argument. I think what you need to say is, is that, that because the Olympics does show greatness and commitment, and that the Paralympics shows that everyone is is, is shyach to that type of greatness. Um, uh, unless you uh, assume that the Olympics itself is great, then then the Paralympics can't be great either. Um, and, and therefore, I would tell you, Rabbi Yosef Kavriyo. That's exactly what the Rambam said. I don't see any code, which one I just said what you were saying. Yeah, you should, again, you should reconsider. And that doesn't mean that you should ogle. You sound like a, you sound like a, a Christian minister. Repent. <laughs> well, look, you know, I am. Repent your dislike of sports. Give up this sin. Look, I'm not saying you should be ogling the figure skaters, and I'm not saying that we should, you should, uh, or the gymnast. I would understand that Madaf Avekulkin, that that a Frumayid shouldn't be looking, but, and, and that goes for volleyball as well and other things. But I think there's definitely some sports that that. Again, be sure that they're not, you're not learning anyway, that watching that competition, I think, uh, can be a positive uh, experience. And I think it could touch you in ways, let yourself be manipulated and care for the United States. I don't know. I, look, I, I, look, I consider myself as, 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 as savvy as the next person. But when I when I hear the Star Spangled Banner being played, when I see the even you know when I saw Carl Lewis, I guess it was the 1980 Olympics. Carl Lewis was the uh, was the track and field expert 1980 or 1984. When I saw him take off, when I saw him go into an extra um, uh, an extra speed level, that he was able to put it in a whole different form and was able to escape the pack. I saw the kayak of, 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 of what the Rabbani Shalom is able to be poil in a person. The fact that he was an American, to me, just made it all this, made it all sweeter. And, and maybe, right, and I, and, and there's, there's nothing wrong, I think, to giving in 
to aspects of loving your country and loving people who come from your country because they represent your country as well. Um, and uh, yeah, that doesn't mean you hate the Russians and that doesn't mean, right? Um, but I think there's something to it. And I, look, let's talk about something else, which is the fact. Well, listen, what about a, a, a British football where they kill each other, you know, the, uh, the fans? Okay, so that's you're talking about what happens in the soccer games when yeah, they, where, yeah. where they where, where where they trample each other. Yeah, yeah. Everything you're right. Things go to an excess, which is which is extreme. But um, you know, I, I, I all again, we could talk about you know it it's, comes in Tanakh as well as you know. This was something that uh, Avner right suggested to yeah the uh, one place where we have wanton bloodshed. Yisachar Norma Vanedo. right? This was but you see that sports was happening. You see things were going on. You yeah. see the the idea of having this respite. Let's from Batum. Let's talk about one last subject here, because I, you know, again, I, I don't think I'm going to convince you, um, and I think though you should reconsider it. Um, let's talk about the the eleven athletes who died. Um, I refer to them as kedushim. What do you think? Absolutely. So are we? Are we? Because you know, there's a debate that some sfarim uh, have have gone into certain machabrim. Do our we give friend, the do, hmm? our old friend you must not be named? You're talking about no, no, I think it's uh Rav Epstein, uh, who's a Talmud of Rav Ari, uh, and Rav Ariel talk about it. These should we give the appellation of Kedoshim to anyone who died, uh, because who was who, yes. who was killed because he was an Israeli or a Jew? Yeah. Should we call them Kedoshim? Yes, yeah. I wasn't talking about Satmarov. I wasn't. Uh, no, I wasn't Satmarov either. I about our old buddy. We, our old buddy, who who disagrees with this or who agrees with this? Who holds an Akadoshi? Or about Victor Miller? You're talking. Yes. About. Okay. <laughs> right. Why are you? Why are we afraid to mention his name? What are we afraid of exactly? I don't know. Uh, um, he's not Voldemort. Um, but, you know, there is, again, and this is an interesting discussion, um, especially if that person, you know, didn't show any uh, sign of, of great yadus in their life and was... that your people who died because they're Jews. I'm telling you, Shemaim, I'm sure you agree with me, don't tell you this, that nobody's winning brownie points because they're saying, ah, they're Kaddish, there's Right. I think the point was, can you apply the appellation of Kedoshim, which, which is true. Some scholars have shown that people were very careful before they applied it. But I think for us, I think, you know, we need to teach the story of Munich as well, right? Um, we have to teach the story and, and refer to them as Kedoshim. Do you think the boys in the Clifton Cheder know about the Kedoshim Munich or not? No. Why not? That's why I don't teach the Clifton Cheder, I teach the YBH. But same the same principle because yeah. we don't get that far in history. They know about they know about the kedushim of the Holocaust, right? Yeah, no kedushim because we do in history. So, why shouldn't there be more appreciation of this? Yeah, but we don't get that far. Maybe in high school they get further. I doubt it, but we don't get that far. You know, this year again gets up to me. You know, Eli Baruch, Eli, uh, Baruch Shulman, who I went to yeshiva with, who I think is a um, one of the yeshivas in YU. I'm sure you know him, right? Sure. Yeah. 
I was in yeshiva with him in Mir. He dealt with this question about Kedoshim vis-a-vis the people who died in Maron. And he had a, I think we talked about it on this program. But I think, again, you know, we're, 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 it's easy for us to say Kedoshim on, on those Hever, which I think is probably incorrect. I think he's right that halachically it's very difficult to refer to them as Kedoshim, even though it's, it was Nebuch what occurred or the people in Surfside. But I think that we need. Surfside? What's that? Surfside? No, no, the Maron Hever. The, the, oh, I'm Maron. I thought that was the Holocaust now. I'm, I'm saying that Eli Barahim. You're not listening. You're thinking about your packing for your plane. I think about packing, which I push up as much as possible. Did you just mention my own subside and I meant Mr. Right. Ellie Baruch Shulman wrote an article. I thought about... an article about the Holocaust people. No, no. He wrote an article about Marone. Oh, and I, and I, I put it back, way back when you were in the mirror, he was talking about this. No, no. He wrote an article recently in, about Marone, whether we should refer to these people as Kedoshim, whether it's proper or not. And um, he, yeah, we hemmed and hawed a little bit than what he okay, said. Okay, Mayron is different. Who's talking about Mayron? I'm talking, you're talking about 11 athletes. Uh, right. So what I'm saying is is that there's a tendency, if it's from Unzer or if they died, okay, we, we, we can refer to them. I think these athletes who I don't know if they were religious at all, I think we need to promote and, and remind people about the, the Ritzicha. And it, it, it behooves us to extol them, to talk about who they were, to talk about how they died, to even talk about their involvement in sports and what they were doing. And, 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 and we have to bring them alive to people in order to be, man, to be manziach them as Kedoshim, the same way we do for any Kedosh. And I think therefore the Munich story, whatever you think about the Olympics in general, I think the Munich story should be something that is at least a couple of days in, in school should be spent describing what occurred there and what it was about and, and how they died and who they were. Don't you agree with me as far as that goes? I think in theory, you're right. In principle, it's hard to orchestrate the year that way because there's so many things which kids don't know, at least uh, from my perspective. But this would be a great way, considering an interest in sports, it could bring up many of the, the, the topics. He's interested interest in sports and the yeshivas and I'm interested in track and field. Well, you know, again, we talk about weightlifting, which I think a lot of the yeshiva guys enjoy doing today. Maybe. And, yeah. I, and I think it was the weightlifter who saved people's lives because I think he closed the door on some of those terrorists and he was able to fight them off. I mean, I, I, I get goosebumps just thinking about it. Um, the, the, the other thing about Munich that I think needs to be discussed is the um, operation that was held afterwards to, um, I, I don't know who greenlighted it, was it was Golda Meir, who greenlighted the operation afterwards to bring to justice and kill off, you yeah. know, all the, all, all the people that were responsible. And I, and, 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 and I would say, especially because of, 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 you know, it was the athletes who were coming in peace, who, who weren't soldiers, who were people that were just there for a certain ideal. And isn't it incredible how Hashem Yokum Domim, Hashem Yokum Dom, that this is what, you know, that, that the, the, the amount of energy that the Israeli government spent in finding these Reitzchim. And isn't that an incredible Mida Taiva? Well, yes, it is. Uh, I mean, we talked last week about the uh, idea. What? 
Right, and and the truth is that Yiddish blit mekenish tam, you know, losen Yiddish blit veren farshpoltaze. Right, you can't just let Yiddish blit just spill out and and spoil. You have to do something about it. So to me, you know, you know, thinking about the Olympics, I I can all I always think about Munich, despite I told you my jingoism for the United States. For me, it'll always be tied in uh, with the, with that event and. You know, and even though you know there was, you got to get these people. You can't just and you know what it meant to the, those families when they realized that the the people who orchestrated their death were themselves killed. Um, you know, again, there are people who condemn Israel for this because they see this as ayin tachas ayin, you know, like the karoyim. They see this as do you do you think there's any uh, legitimacy to that? Obviously, you don't. But you can imagine there's people out there from your friends on the left that are saying, you know, you know, this is the type of behavior that just uh, encourages more violence. Okay, I'm not a leftist. I don't want people to get the idea I'm a leftist. Yeah, well, mo- a good amount of what you've been saying over the last couple of months. Have, I'm independent. Have... I'm not a leftist. I'm not a rightist. Yeah. How, consistency is the hobgoblin of little minds because it generally indicates not a lack of thought, not a presence of thought. Okay, I'm not sure if this is a, a straight-on insult to me. All I'm saying is, not, is that not, not, not okay. maybe a little indirect. Look, I would say I've known you um, off and on. Thanks for joining us for another episode from the Yeshiva of Newark at IDT Podcast. Be sure to subscribe on your favorite podcast app so you don't miss a single episode. Thank you.